1: And away we go. Episode 696 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, November 9th, 2023, a day on which temperatures in the Washington, D.C. area are supposed to be in the upper 70s. Are you kidding me? We are well into the month of November and temps are supposed to be in the upper seventies, we will gladly take that. We will accept that with open arms. Hello, and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast. Hey, the Wizards won a game, uh, just their second win in seven games this NBA regular season—a one thirty-two, one sixteen win at the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday night. I will properly commemorate this rarity—that is a Wizards win—later in the show. Will the Commanders win? This Sunday, uh, they are at the Seattle Seahawks Sunday afternoon at 425. The practice week began on Wednesday, and we have a lot to get to with the Commanders on this show. Next segment, a look at the Commanders' initial injury report for this game. Perhaps some good news on receiver Curtis Samuel, who was inactive for the 2017 win at the New England Patriots this past Sunday afternoon due to a toe injury. And I will discuss various items from head coach Rod Rivera's post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, including his response to the apparent shot that edge defender Chase Young took at the Commanders in his introductory press conference with the San Francisco 49ers on Monday evening. I also will discuss what Rod on Wednesday afternoon said about how his audition for his boss The managing partner of the Commanders, Josh Harris, is going. And I will explain how Commander's punter Tressway, who on Wednesday was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, is building a resume for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes, I said Hall of Fame. And then after all of that and more, I have a big segment on quarterback Sam Howell for you, comments from Ron and from Sam at his uh, pre-practice press conference on Wednesday. We're going to cover a lot of ground with Sam, including the improvement regarding sacks. But what I'm going to especially focus on is this heavy volume of pass attempts approach that assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bienemi has taken with Sam and how that approach appears to be paying off. You know, for all of the talk, about the sacks and the commanders needing to run the ball more. Uh, It just may be that what Eric has done with Sam has been brilliant because it has sped up his development and has gotten him to a point at which he is truly ascending right now. Uh, Also on the show, I'll talk Capitals, a uh, 4-3 overtime loss for the Caps to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. And I have a Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia football At number 11, Louisville, Thursday night at 7.30. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich Polin writes, Rich, congratulations on nearing show number 700. Quite a journey from starting with weekend updates. I remember those from my time working at George Washington and driving around D.C. on call, listening to 980, going hospital to hospital. I don't think that I've missed one show, even listened on the course at the Ryder Cup. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Thank you for that, Rich. Uh, I hope that uh, what you listen to is better than the United States performance uh, in that Ryder Cup. Continues, Rich. I especially appreciate that you value analytics. I had a question about turnovers. We all know that turnover differential is a significant factor in NFL outcomes, but has anyone looked at turnovers on downs and whether turnovers on downs are as important as turnovers? In the Commanders' loss to the Eagles in Week 8, we lost a key turnover on downs with a stupid 4th-and-1 play call with an empty backfield. It really should have been a pick-six the other way. By the way, have the Commanders forgotten that Logan Thomas was 100% on quarterback sneak-type plays in 2020? We haven't forgotten. Jacoby Brissett is supposed to be amazing on sneaks as well. Do the analytics show a difference between a fumble or an interception with no return and a turnover on downs? We in that loss to the Eagles had three turnovers on downs. We technically won the turnover battle 2-1, but I say that we lost the turnover battle in that game 4-2. What say you? Uh, thank you for the email. Rich, interesting topic. You know, I'm not aware of any study that examines turnovers on downs versus interceptions and lost fumbles. The obvious difference between turnovers on downs and turnovers are A, a turnover can be returned by the defense. A turnover on downs results in the opposing team simply getting the ball at the previous line of scrimmage. And B, there is a calculated risk with a turnover on downs like the team on offense is going into the play knowing that there is a distinct possibility of a turnover on downs so you thus rarely have a turnover on downs for a team at its own say 35 yard line or less unless you're talking about a desperation situation late in the fourth quarter I don't think that you can just lump turnovers on downs with turnovers like the two categories to me are two different categories Uh, But yes, I do agree that the Commanders should be more embracing of the quarterback sneak or at least of the short yardage run. And to that end, we in the win at the Patriots did see some successful short yardage runs by running back Brian Robinson Jr. First quarter on a third and one for the Commanders at the Pats 28, Robinson had a two yard under center handoff run. Fourth quarter on a third and one for the Commanders at their 29, Robinson had a two yard shotgun handoff run. Email from Gene in Manassas, Virginia on now San Francisco 49ers edge defender Chase Young, uh, who we on Wednesday's show, episode 695, talked about with Commanders analyst Mark Bullock, including what went wrong with Chase and the Commanders. Writes Gene, I never missed your show. I learned so much on not only what happens, but why things happen. Well, thank you, Gene. Continues Gene, do you think that a better coaching staff would have allowed Chase to freelance because he demonstrated that he can't work within the system and that a better coaching staff would have put the onus on everyone else, at least those on the defensive line, to react? To Chase. I'm interested in your analysis. Uh, Thank you for the email, Gene. You know, I do think that there is something to be said for Chase Young's tenure with Washington, not being what the tenure should have been, being a failure, at least in part, on coaching. When a team spends a number two overall pick a supposed generational edge defender, and the guy wins Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year. But then things deteriorate to where the head coach of the team is calling the player out for not being productive enough and is making constant veiled comments about the team lacking maturity and pretty clearly is talking about that player. And the player's time with the team ultimately ends before the end of his fourth season, and the time ends by him being traded uh, for a compensatory pick in the third round of the 2024 NFL Draft, that is an organizational failure. And I do think that it calls for some self-reflection from the team. Ron Rivera, defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, others, uh, all of them should be asking themselves, hey, where and why did things go wrong here? And what could we have done better here? Because at this point, it's clear that Chase's tenure with Washington being a disappointment isn't just about the badly injured right knee that he suffered, in November 2021. And so yeah, maybe Ron and Jack couldn't use Chase in a better way or didn't do a good enough job of getting through to Chase. But all of that said, there's only so much bending that a team can and should do. And you know, nobody in 2020 was talking about Ron and Jack not being flexible enough with Chase or not getting through to Chase. So This entire Chase Young scenario to me was a collective failure. You don't have to pick a side. This was a collective failure, a failure on Chase, a failure on Ron, a failure on Jack, a failure on everyone. Uh, And if you feel about uh, your insurance the way that Ron and Chase ended up feeling about each other, get with BMC insurance if you run a business and are looking for better and more affordable insurance get with bmc insurance bmc insurance offers small business insurance so if you're looking for general liability workers comp or commercial auto insurance bmc insurance can help and bmc insurance offers great deals on home and auto insurance go to insurance bmc You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance offers small business insurance, home insurance, and auto insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC insurance, they stay with BMC insurance. Check out BMC insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Goldie sent you. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Goldie sent you. Well, please consider following the podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. Big game for the Commanders this Sunday afternoon at the Seattle Seahawks at 425. The Commanders for this regular season are just four and five, but are eighth in the NFC playoff standings. The top seven teams in each conference make the playoffs. The Commanders are one game behind the Minnesota Vikings for the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. It is the Seahawks who currently are in possession of the NFC's first wildcard spot. So a win for the Commanders at the Seahawks would give the Commanders the tiebreaker with the Seahawks. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head. The Commanders already have the head-to-head tiebreaker on the Atlanta Falcons, who are ninth in the NFC playoff standings at four and five. And a win for the Commanders on Sunday would get them to five and five, with their next game being a home game against the two and seven New York Giants, against whom, yes, Washington has a terrible recent history, but the commanders being six and five going into their Thanksgiving game at the Dallas Cowboys would uh, be staring right at us. Uh, The commander's injury report for Wednesday afternoon's practice listed five players, three of whom did not practice at all on Wednesday afternoon, but all three of those guys did not practice on Wednesday afternoon for non-injury reasons. Receiver Jahan Dodson did not practice due to a personal reason, and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and corner Kendall Fuller did not practice due to each getting a veteran rest day. Uh, Corner Emmanuel Forbes, Jr. was listed on the injury report, but as a full participant in practice, he's dealing with an Achilles issue. Receiver Curtis Samuel was listed as a limited participant in Wednesday afternoon's practice. He, for the Commanders' 2017 win at the New England Patriots this past Sunday afternoon, was inactive due to a toe injury. Commanders head coach Rod Rivera did a post practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon, and he did get asked about what edge defender Chase Young said. At his introductory press conference with the San Francisco 49ers this past Monday evening, quote, just the culture, the vibe is a lot different. I definitely know that I'm in a building with winners and quote. Here was the audio.
2: You know, I'm just stepping in here for, you know, today, um, got in here last week, um, just the culture, um, the vibe um, is a lot different, um, you know. I definitely know that I'm 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 going to build with winners. All right.
1: So, Chase Young throwing, heaving <laughs> some apparent shade at Ron Rivera off the Commanders on Halloween, October 31st. What was 2023 NFL trade deadline day trading Chase Young to the Niners for a compensatory pick. In the third round of the 2024 draft. And remember, as soon as Chase got traded, the leaking began. An anonymous team source to Commander's Insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic, in a piece that came out on Halloween afternoon, quote, The team views the trade of Young as a potential addition by subtraction. The source said, and quote. Michael Silver, columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, Silver, in a piece that came out on Halloween evening, quote, Young, according to several commanders coaches and other organizational sources, was viewed as an undisciplined player who developed bad habits such as deviating from assignments in an effort to make splash plays, end quote. And so we on Wednesday afternoon had this exchange between Scott Abraham, sports anchor for 7 News DC, and Ron Rivero. Ron, I don't know if you saw Chase Young's comments on Monday during his opening press conference about
0: San Francisco and it's a building full of winners, the culture, the spirit of the players. During your time here in Washington, what are you most proud of of, of kind of the culture that you've helped build inside
2: that locker room?
3: I think first and foremost is that, you know, to me as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, I'm 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 excited about our football team. I, I like the things that we're doing. I like the direction we're headed. Um, you know, I think culturally it, it it's a it's a really solid place. You know, we're we're still learning and growing. Um, you know, we have a a young quarterback that's learning and growing for us. And I, I do think that for the most part, you know, things can be very bright for us if it continues to go in the right direction. Um, and as far as, you know, Chase is concerned in his comments, you know, I really appreciate who he is for us and who he was for us, did some nice things, and just wish him all the luck in San Francisco.
1: Well, what Ron Rivera said right there regarding Chase Young was exactly what Ron should have said, a total high-road, all-class response, but let's not be naive, okay? Uh, There is an at least decent chance, if not a very good chance, that Ron or someone authorized Ron leaked that negative stuff about Chase to Ben Standig and Michael Silver. The same Michael Silver who Ron has been friends with for years and who worked for the uh, then Washington football team in 2021. Ron and Mike went to Cal together. So I'm not just going to throw flowers at Ron for that nice response about what Chase Young said when Ron very possibly was the leaker or a leaker or authorized the leaking And I say that fully understanding that what was leaked may well have been 100% true. Uh, Something else that stood out from Ron Rivera's post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon was this back and forth between Barry's Verluga, columnist for the Washington Post, and Ron. Here you go.
0: At the beginning of the year in training camp, you kind of said, look, this is an audition for everybody because we have a new boss and and we got to get a feel for that. Mm -hmm. How do you feel the audition is going, and what's the best case that you can say to your new owner, we we have this going in the right direction?
3: Well, I just think as you look at what we're doing and we continue to be competitive, that's probably the biggest thing right now. You know, We've had a lot of change, a lot of things that we're doing differently and, and just trying to put it together. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is just continue to play hard and... Continue to do the best we can and hopefully win some football games more so than anything else. I mean, the truth is this is about winning. That's the biggest thing that comes from the audition more than anything else.
1: And the change you mean is the the quarterback and the offense? Yes. Very interesting that Rod Rivera early in his initial answer highlighted being competitive And then later in that initial answer highlighted the importance of winning. Yeah, I think that Ron caught himself mid-answer because uh, ain't nobody want to hear about being competitive in year four of a head coaching regime. Year four is about winning. Heck, years two and three are about winning. Year one, you get some leeway. Okay, but after that, it's time to win. And I get a kick out of Ron constantly bringing up quarterback Sam Howell, but that makes me laugh more than it bothers me, because I see right through what Ron is doing, just like I know that many of you do. But I do get bothered by Ron talking like he's in year one, talking about growth and development and being competitive when this is not year one. (laughs) This is year four. This isn't 2020. This is 2023. And the idea that Ron's boss, the managing partner of the commanders, Josh Harris, is going to get work. Is going to get conned, is going to get fooled by Ron constantly bringing up quarterback Sam Howell and by Ron talking like he's in year one as Washington head coach instead of year four as Washington head coach is laughable to me. Uh, if you're looking for more commanders conversation, check out BGO Blind Pig. The official podcast of BGObsession.com. BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commanders football. Pull up a chair, pour a libation of your choosing, and join fellow fans for some passionate D.C. football discussion. You can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your burgundy and gold obsession and make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly DC football listens. Hey, a salute to Commander's punter Tressway. He on Wednesday was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Tress, in the win at the Patriots over five punts, averaged 47.8 yards per punt, and 44.2 net yards per punt. He had a big clutch punt on a fourth and one for the Commanders at their 40 while nursing a 2017 lead with 11.21 left in the fourth quarter. Tress had a 53-yard punt to the pad seven, and then running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. tackled Patriots receiver, punt returner, and Liberty product DeMario Douglas for a punt return of minus two yards. This is the time in Tress's career that he has been named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. That is a franchise record for most times being named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. This is Tressway's 10th NFL season. He has been Washington's punter since the team claimed him off waivers from the Chicago Bears in August 2014. Tressway is, believe it or not, 6th in NFL history in career regular season yards per punt. Yes, sixth in the history of the NFL. There is going to be a compelling case for Tressway for the Pro Football Hall of Fame when he retires. And I don't say that flippantly, like there is going to be a Hall of Fame case for Tressway. Now, I know specialists have a really hard time of getting it into the pro football hall of fame and i know there are a number of washington greats who already should be in the pro football hall of fame but aren't but tressway is building himself a hall of fame caliber resume uh this was ron rivera on wednesday afternoon on commander special teams
3: you know it's it's been happening over the last couple of years you know last year jeremy um you know becomes uh the uh the, the pro bowl player and then gets voted all pro special teams player and and to me it you know that's that's one of the areas that you, you know is very positive as far as growth is concerned. I got the right kind of guys out there doing it. Um, I think Nate has done a terrific job. I think him and Ben make a, a terrific team of, of position coaches for us as far as special teams are concerned. And and Tress is just the ultimate pro. He, he really is. You know he's one of the captains and and uh, you know doing a great job of leading those, that group of guys. Um, what it does say about you know Tress winning the award. Uh, one of the things that was really cool about it was we had five punts that were down inside the twenty. Or that ended up inside the twenty, and and, and a lot of it had to do with not just him kicking the ball, but the guys that are covering, everything from from, you know what uh, what goes on with Cheeseman at the long snapping position, and Burgess coming in and, and replacing Jeremy, and you know being able to help hold down the fort, and then our gunners, the way those guys are playing and you know and breaking free and, and getting down. I mean, that whole unit is, has, has done a nice solid job for us as far as special teams is concerned. You know there are a couple other bright spots too as far as special teams is concerned. You know we had three punt returns over ten yards. Uh, anytime you can do that, that means that's 10 yards less that the offense has to gain before they're in scoring position. Uh, we opened up with a thing was a 37-yard kickoff return by Antonio. Uh, again, that, that's one less first down you have to get if we had downed it and taken it at the 25. So there's been a lot of positive growth, and and you see that, and and when you start seeing a lot of your young picks, your your young draft picks playing well on special teams, that's usually good indicator that get, getting you know given the opportunity to play regular regularly on, on at a position um, bodes well. So there's a lot of positives to take from that.
1: Yeah, and regarding the man who tackled DeMario Douglas on that aforementioned punt return for minus two yards in the win at the Pats, Chris Rodriguez Jr. So he has not played on a single offensive snap in each of the commanders last two games. Remember, Rodriguez in the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants in week seven had seven carries for 31 yards despite playing on just 13% of the commander's offensive snaps in that game had one fewer carry than running back Brian Robinson Jr. had despite Robinson playing on 49% of the commander's offensive snaps but Rodriguez in the 38-31 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx field in week eight did not play on a single offensive snap and Rodriguez in the win at the Pats did not play on a single offensive snap so so much for him becoming more of a factor on offense at least right now but good for him for making a big play on special teams. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on Chris Rodriguez.
3: Chris has done a solid job. Um, He really has. And, And whenever he's gotten an opportunity to come in and run, he has run the ball pretty well for us. And, you know, it's just, as you watch it, with what's going on with Antonio and 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 B Rob, I think both those guys are finding their stride now within this offense. You know, last week was a good week for both those those backs, um, and so it just hasn't really given Chris the opportunity to to play running back as much as I think he would like to, and we would like to see a little bit more from him if he gets the opportunity. But watching him on special teams and how he's growing, that that's been really good. Um, it's been a cool thing to see that you know he's taking every opportunity he can and, and to give his best. So that's been that's been really good as well.
1: Well, also really good is Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers a pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. 8-9. Well, what Commander's Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen in his postgame session with reporters following the 2017 win at the New England Patriots this past Sunday afternoon said about quarterback Sam Howell has gotten a lot of attention and justifiably so. Quote, Sam Howell is like he's our future. He's our quarterback. And I think we found our next quarterback for the five ten years. And I truly believe that end quote. But what hasn't gotten nearly the attention that what John said has gotten is what Commanders left tackle Charles Leno Jr. in his post-game session with reporters following the win at the Pat said about Sam Howell. Said Charles about whether any uh, declaration about Sam can be made, quote, it takes time, end quote. Charles Leno was 100% right. I, as a Commanders fan, am very excited about Sam Howell. I, from the second they took him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft, applauded the pick. I advocated for him to be the starting quarterback for Week 18 last season. I was pumped when we, a mere six days after that Week 18 start, found out that head coach Ron Rivera was positioning Sam to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season. But right now, declaring anything about Sam in terms of him being a franchise quarterback is silly. Now, I guess it depends on how you define franchise quarterback. Uh, as I have said, I define franchise quarterback as a quarterback who, A, uh, generally and reasonably speaking, can be viewed as a top 12, top 15 Type quarterback in the NFL, and B, has proven himself with the team over multiple seasons. And so to me, it is too early to declare Sam Howell a franchise quarterback. The guy's made 10 career NFL regular season starts. Let the sample size grow. Now, you think about this rush to declare Sam Howell a franchise quarterback. The rush, to me, is about two things. One is the team itself, John Allen for sure, but mostly Ron Rivera talking up Sam Howell as possibly being a franchise quarterback. And Ron is doing this, at least in part, to make the case for him, as in Ron, to not get fired, right? I mean, that's as obvious as can be. Ergo, what uh, I've been talking about for weeks now, Ron playing the Sam Howell card, i.e. invoking the name Sam Howell, mentioning Sam Howell, bringing up Sam Howell constantly. You know, NFL insider Diana Rossini of The Athletic, she had a piece that came out this past Saturday, November 4th, wrote, quote, there is a strong belief in the building that the commanders have found their franchise quarterback in Sam Howell, and now it's about building for 2024. And, quote, you can bet your bottom dollar that Diana's sourcing for that report came from, at least in part, Ron Rivera. But, you know, the rush to declare Sam Howell as a franchise quarterback also is about us as a fan base being so desperate for a franchise quarterback that we can't wait to proclaim Sam a franchise quarterback. We as fans of our team are are like a guy who who never has any success with women. And finally, we got a girl's phone number, and we texted her, and she texted back. And now we're talking about marrying her. And it's like, slow down. You know, slow your roll. Have some pride. Have some self-respect. Sam Howell is doing a really nice job, but let's see some more before we shout to the heavens that our team's decades-long quarterback problem is over. Now, all of that said, I do think that it's time to say this. The all-in heavy volume of pass attempts approach that the commanders have taken with Sam Howell has been good. And it's time to give Ron Rivera and assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy credit for this. Sam for this regular season has an NFL-high 421 dropbacks per pro football focus. Sam for this regular season has an NFL-high 353 pass attempts. Eric enemy has the commanders for this regular season at number five in the NFL in first and 10 neutral pass rate, which is a stat put together by NFL analytics expert Ben Baldwin. Uh, first and 10 neutral pass rate is excluding the final two minutes of each half. How often on first and 10 with a win probability of 20% and 80% that a team goes with a pass play. First and 10 neutral pass rate is a great way of truly assessing how pass happy an offense is. Eric Bieniemy has the commanders for this regular season at number five in the NFL in first and 10 neutral pass rate. Uh, the approach by Eric Bieniemy with his commander's offense has been to throw Sam Howell into the deep end of the pool and see what happens. And at times, no doubt, the results have not been pretty. Sam in the 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills at FedEx Field in Week 3 was bad. Sam in the 14-7 loss at the New York Giants in Week 7 was bad. But Sam over the Commander's last two games has been quite good, talking about the 38-31 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 8 and the win at the Patriots in Week 9. Uh, him taking 40 sacks over the Commanders' first seven games this regular season, Mars, uh, many of his stats for the season. But Sam, for this regular season now, is 11th at a 32 qualified NFL quarterbacks in ESPN's version of total expected points added, total EPA, which does not include sack EPA. So without the sacks, Sam has been a very good quarterback. And this all-in heavy-volume of pass attempts approach that the commanders have employed has expedited the development. This was Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon on the commanders having this pass-heavy offense.
3: Well, I, I started my coaching career, my positional coaching career under Andy Reid. And so just understanding what that mentality is and what Coach's Reed's mentality was, and I know it's rubbed off a lot on, on EB, to be quite honest. Um, I see the extended hand, handoff attitude. Um, I also see that, you know, we, we, we do some things. Um, in terms of just trying to catch the the, the defense anticipating something, I, you know, and that that was always something that was was big for coach as well. And I know that Eb has carried that over as well. And and having been part of that success that Andy had early on, um, I can see it, and I see a lot of positives, a lot of parallels right now. I really do. Um, and the thing that's you know very exciting for us both is has been the growth and development of of the quarterback. I mean, Sam has been terrific. Um, I think the players around him. Are, are 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 getting it as well and and understanding these things. I think we we've all had some aha moments just saying okay, I get it, I understand that part of it. So as as we continue to grow and do those things, I think the the best thing is is um you know, we can just continue to develop. I I'm I'm pretty excited about who this team can become.
1: There is no overstating the irony of the commanders being so pass heavy on offense. Remember how their 2023 off-season started? with that uh, love sonnet to running game-oriented offense that we heard from Ron Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew at their joint season-ending press conference this past January 10th. Remember that? (laughs) I mean, to go from that to the commanders having this ultra-pass-heavy offense really is something, but to me, it is a very good something. Sam Howell, uh, he on Wednesday did a pre-practice press conference that started shortly before 12 p.m. This was Sam on his growth as a quarterback
2: yeah I mean the main thing is you know is is did the ball go where it's supposed to go um and did it, did the ball get out on time and I think you know for the most part I'm, I'm getting the ball at time and I'm getting the ball out to the right guy um and so I just gotta try to continue to get better um and try to continue to there's little things every week that I'm always trying to improve on um and just trying to you know fix those things going into this week
1: yeah, Sam Howell's decision-making in each of the last two games, very good, both in terms of making the right decisions and making quick decisions. And the latter is the number one reason for the sack problem being less of a problem over the last two games. We talked about that with Commander's analyst Mark Bullock on Wednesday's show, episode 695. Here was Sam on Wednesday on how things are going between him and Eric Bieniemy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're getting better each and every week, you know, not only just me and Um, EB, but I think as offense as a whole, you know, I think we're getting better each and every week, and I think he's calling some real good games, Um, and so he'll he'll continue to do that. You know, he prepares so hard and always has a good plan for us, Um, and, you know, for the most part, we've been executing it. Um, we just got to try to continue to finish drives and finish games in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, still a lot of room for improvement for Sam Howell and the commander's offense. After all, the team in the win at the Patriots this past Sunday afternoon scored just 20 points, and we are just a few weeks removed uh, from that hideous offensive performance in the loss at the Giants. But consider this, the commanders over nine games this regular season have scored at least 30 points in three games. The commanders over 17 games in the 2022 regular season scored at least 30 points in just one game. Washington, over 17 games in the 2021 regular season, scored at least 30 points in just two games. Washington, over 16 games in the 2020 regular season, scored at least 30 points in just one game. So the team over 50 games over the last three regular seasons scored at least 30 points in a mere four games. The team over just nine games this regular season has scored at least 30 points in three games. That's progress. Sam Howell on Wednesday on what he has learned about Eric Bieniemy during their time together.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've just learned how much he cares um, and just how much he puts into this thing and just how hard he works um and he truly And everyone says they you know they want to win but he truly wants to win and he'll he'll do whatever it takes to win football games um and so it's been it's been fun to learn from him it's been fun to go through this journey with him um yeah i mean he's a tremendous leader um and he works so hard and he puts everything he has into this
1: well few relationships on an nfl team matter more than the relationship between the offensive play caller, and the quarterback. It seems like the Commanders have a good thing going between Eric Bietemi and Sam Howell. Uh, My favorite part of Sam's press conference (laughs) on Wednesday was this exchange between Commanders insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Sam Howell. Here you go.
3: When you say EB works really hard and he's calling good games, are there moments that stand out to you either where you see him putting the work in or plays where you get in the huddle and you're like oh he's kind of
2: in his bag did you say in his bag yeah sorry (laughs) um yeah no i mean i think you know everyone sees how hard he works and everyone can tell just how much he puts into it you know just by the time he spends in the building and just how detailed everything is you know he just works super hard and obviously you know in games i think he's he's in a good rhythm right now as far as play calling and he, he really knows what what is working for us um, and he knows, he knows how to use our, our strengths. Um, and I think that's shown the past few weeks. And we just got to try to continue to get better and continue to finish. You know, we've played good at times, but you know, I think the last two games we could have played a lot better in the fourth quarter. Um, so we just got to try to continue to sustain those good games and, and finish the game. All
1: right. But how about that from our friend Sam Fortier, him using the phrase in his bag? <laughs> uh, someone being in his or her bag is someone being in His or her feelings. Uh, Not to be confused with being in the bag, as in being half in the bag, uh, which means being drunk, (laughs) uh, or getting your bag. Uh, which means getting money. Uh, much more from Sam Howell in moments. But, you know, going with Catering by Uptown will most certainly have you being in your bag. That's how good Catering by Uptown is. Uh, catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including veg- menu coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly from putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist. Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you are having a wedding or a corporate event, at intimate gathering, or a gala. Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event wait staff. Uh, no experience is necessary and you get paid in-house training. Great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. So the commander's offensive line, we over the last two games have had the new look to the offensive line with Tyler Larson at center over a bench Nick Gates and Chris Paul at left guard over an injured Sadiq Charles. Sam Howell off being sacked 40 times over the commander's first seven games this regular season has been sacked just four times over the last two games and two of the sacks were scramble sacks in the win at the Patriots. Uh, Larson has been an upgrade over Gates' In terms of protection calls, but the truth is that the line in terms of actual blocking has not been that much better over the last two games as compared to the previous seven games. Uh, Sam Howell is just making quicker decisions. He is getting better at making quick decisions, and Eric Bieniemy is doing a better job of calling plays in the way of quick game and screens that are conducive to Sam making quicker decisions. Uh, here was Sam on Wednesday on the Commanders' offensive line.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think they're 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 doing they're doing a good job. You know, I think that that unit up front is is, is starting to gel together, and they they put together two really good games. Um, and I think, you know, we're just coming together as a as a whole on offense. And I think we've truly built an identity now on offense, and I think that's that's helping everybody out. Um, you know, we're getting the ball out faster, I'm getting the ball out faster. You know, we're doing some things to get the ball out on the perimeter quick to try to keep those defensive linemen you know, from rushing upfield every time. Um, and we're trying to keep those guys off balance. And I think, you know, just obviously those guys are playing well. And I think EB is doing a good job of calling the game to, you know, help everybody out. Um, but I just think we're, we're starting to truly find our identity on offense. We just got to try to continue to grow and get better.
1: So I earlier in this segment mentioned Ben Baldwin. He keeps track of what he calls his Pass Protection Ratings Composite, which is a ranking of NFL teams in terms of pass protection based on three separate rankings of NFL teams in terms of pass protection, those rankings being from ESPN, Pro Football Focus, and Sports Info Solutions. The commanders for this regular season are number 12 in the NFL in the pass protection ratings composite. Yes, number 12. I'm not saying that the commander's offensive line has been great, but it has not been the calamity <laughs> that uh, it has been made out to be. This was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on why the commanders over their last two games have been so much better at not allowing sacks.
3: I think it's a combination of, of several things, um, and, and also the guys around Sam getting it. You know, it's, it's, like we've had, I've talked about this earlier too, about those aha moments where all of a sudden because goes, okay, I see it, I get it. Well, you know, some of the things that we did up front with the offensive line seem to be paying off. Um, I think getting the ball out of Sam's hands quicker, you know, creates that, 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 you know, the ball's out frustration for the defense when, when, when a guy gets the ball out early and on timing, there's a little bit of frustration that seems to develop. And then, overall the guy's understanding. I mean, you, you see some of the, the things that, that we've, we've been seeing from from the backs and from the tight ends that, that are chipping their way out. Uh, shoot, we even got a couple of snaps where we have the receivers chipping and all understanding just how important it is. And it's all kind of coming together, I think, at the right time for us offensively.
1: The number one problem for the commander's offense has been the sack problem. If that has been fixed, and I say if, but if that has been fixed. That is massive. That changes the conversation about what the Commanders can be this season. More from Sam Howell on Wednesday on taking fewer sacks lately.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, obviously it starts with those guys up front and they're doing a lot better job and they're, you know, like I said earlier, they're finally, they're gelling as a unit and they're doing a really good job as far as (laughs) Picking, picking up protect, picking up blitzes and being on the same page, and the backs are doing a good job as well. And I think, for me, I've tried to improve every single week as far as just getting the ball out of my hands and trying to get down to the check downs faster. And I think I've shown improvement in that area every single week. Um, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of that right now, and I think I've shown that the past two weeks. I just got to try to continue to find ways to improve in that area um, and make it easier on those guys up front.
1: Well, something else that Sam Howell showed in the win at the Patriots was resilience. Uh, Sam on a first and goal at the five with 23 seconds left in the second quarter through that horrendous interception, a terrible shotgun sprint out pass that was intercepted in the end zone by defensive back Kyle Duggar. But Sam on the commander's next offensive drive, fired one of his best passes of the season. He, on a third quarter, second and 10 for the Commanders at the Pats 33, had a 33-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson on a great deep ball. Sam, on Wednesday, on responding well to his late second quarter interception in the win at the Pats.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, you don't really have a choice but to, you know, just get over it. Um, Obviously, you know, it was a devastating play at the time and, you know, like I said, after the game, probably one of the worst plays in my career, but, uh At the end of the day, you know, we're still down at halftime, still have a a football game to win. Um, So my everyone around me did a good job, you know, just trying to pick me back up. And, you know, I just relied on my teammates and tried to go back out there in the second half and, you know, make up for it.
1: You know, listening to Sam Howell speak, you can understand why he has this reputation for being even keeled, for never being too up or too down. For as uh, former Redskins head coach Jim Zorn would say, staying medium. Uh, Sam on Wednesday, on being someone who is even keeled.
2: Yeah, I mean, for as long as I can remember, this is kind of how I've always been. Uh, You know, I guess you could say it's kind of how my dad always coached me to be. Um, But yeah, I mean, as far as I can remember, it's kind of how I've always been. You know, my dad would always tell me it's always about, you know, the next thing. It's not about what just happened. It's always about what what you're going to do after it. Um, You know, you're never judged for, the mistakes you make you're judged for how you respond to those mistakes
1: yeah sam howell's dad is duke howell uh duke howell is a well-regarded high school football coach duke howell was sam howell's offensive coordinator in high school and yes uh sam who went to north carolina has a dad named duke <laughs> uh, go figure and so what are we gonna get from sam howell and the commander's offense in this game At the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday afternoon at 425. The Seahawks Lumen Field is known for being loud. Very loud. Sam on Wednesday on if he is preparing for this game at the Seahawks any differently as compared to preparing for other road games.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, road games are different from home games, and especially when you go to, you know, Seattle, it's gonna be really loud and it's, it's an exciting environment that we're excited to play in um obviously you know we'll be in our silent cadences you won't be able to use you know the cadence you know i, re- I truly don't know how loud it's going to be so i really don't know how to prepare for it um you know i, I obviously i try to prepare for kind of how i did the other road games but most of the other road games were it's only really it's really only loud on third down you know and i, I don't know if Seattle's the same way or not you know i still got to ask some more questions and talk to some people. Um, but yeah, it, it can definitely be a problem as far as, you know, checking out checking the line of scrimmage. You know, you got to have more signals um, than, than normal just because you can't verbally communicate. Uh, but, you know, we'll be, we'll be ready to go for whatever we need. Well,
1: the Seahawks this regular season are 3-1 and one at home. The Commanders this regular season are 3-2 and two on the road versus 1-3 and three at home. Here was Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon on preparing to play at Lumen Field.
3: Well, the biggest thing was a lot of that stuff will be based off of, you know, hand signals and stuff like that as well. Um, you know, it, it's understanding what, you know, what the, what the play call is and then what the alerts or the checks are. Um, and again, that will all have to be, you know, dictated by what's going on with the hand signals. You know, we, we've, we've played at some pretty noisy places this year for the most part. Uh, we've worked a lot. Um, you know with the no huddles and and just using all the hand signals and stuff like that so um, that's probably the biggest thing is you know everybody's got to be able to pay attention everybody's got to be able to see what they see and be on the same page more so than anything else Um, and 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 the better you are at that the less likely there will be a mistake or a miss a miss signal or a call or something Um, and again as far as our offensive line is concerned they've just got to be patient and and hopefully you know we won't have any illegal procedures.
1: Yes, hopefully. Uh, We later in Ron Rivera's post-practice press conference on Wednesday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's Insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post and Ron.
4: And I know in New England, there's a brief headset issue and Jacoby helped with You know, getting some signals, and is he a help in games like this where the noise is that bad?
3: Yes, he will be. He he most certainly will be. And you know, Jacoby's—I mean, he's—he's tremendous. He really is. And and I understand why—why—why—he's one of those guys that a lot of people, you know, are are, are trying to find. But he's—he's done a tremendous job for us. He's been great for Sam, and, and he's helped us out all tremendously.
1: High praise from Ron Rivera for the Commanders QB2. Jacoby Brissett, some insight into why the team did not trade Jacoby for a six round pick, as reportedly was offered to the team for Jacoby prior to that 2023 NFL trade deadline on Halloween. Also, regarding the expected loud crowd in Seattle, we on Wednesday had this exchange between Nikki Tavala and Sam Howell. What's
4: the loudest thing? Played
2: in so far, like you're talking about the Southern and Like, what's the loudest place you played in the NFL? Yeah, um, probably Denver. Denver was probably the loudest in the NFL, but I, I think some stadiums I played in in college were louder. Like what? Uh, Virginia Tech for sure. Yeah, for sure.
1: That to me was interesting. Sam Howell highlighting playing at Virginia Tech is maybe the uh, loudest road environment that he has played in. Uh, That game did not go so well for Sam. September 3rd, 2021, Virginia Tech began its 2021 season with a 17-10 win over then number 10, North Carolina at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. The Hokies held Sam to just 17 of 32 passing, intercepted him three times, and sacked him six times. That game is part of why Sam fell to the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Hey, AG1. An outstanding nutritional supplement. Like many of you, my sleep is all over the place. Uh, Due to my work schedule and having two young kids, drinking AG1 helps me feel energized, focused, and healthy. Uh, I especially like drinking AG1 after working out. You see, AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition. AG1 has been continuously refining its formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. If you want to take ownership of your health, doing so starts with AG1. And here's a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. You can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase of AG1. Go to Drink. AG1.com slash Algaldi. That's drinkag the number one dot com slash Algaldi. Go to drinkag1.com slash algaldi. That's drinkag onecom onecom slash algaldi.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: Well, the Capitals on Wednesday night concluded a stretch of 5 consecutive home games, tied for the team's longest stretch of home games this regular season. The Caps ended up going 3-1 and 1 over the stretch of 5 consecutive home games, a 4-3 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. The Caps in this NHL regular season now are 5-4-2. The Caps on Wednesday night overcame a 2-1 second-period deficit, but blew a 3-2 third-period lead. Disappointing game for Darcy Kemper. He was the Caps' starting goaltender, but he stopped just 21 of the 25 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper allowed the game-winning goal by Panthers center Sam Reinhardt just Fifteen seconds into overtime, uh, this on a breakaway snapshot in the low slot. Reinhard uh, beat center Evgeny Kuznetsov to the net. Kuzi uh, had a game-worst plus-minus rating of minus three. And take a listen to Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night on what happened on that game-winning goal.
0: Kuzi uh, out of position. We're just he, he chased down ice. Um and then loses a foot race. If you're going to chase down ice, you just can't get beat. You got beat.
1: Yeah, the uh, disgust (laughs) in Spencer Carberry's voice right there told you all that you need know about how he felt about Evgeny Kuznetsov on that game-winning goal. Uh, Darcy Kemper on Wednesday night per natural stat trick stopped 10 of the 12 high-danger shots on goal that he faced, but he also gave up a goal on a medium-danger shot on goal and gave up a goal on a low-danger shot on goal. Now, in fairness to Kemper, the caps in this game got doubled up in terms of high-danger chances. The caps per natural stat trick totaled just six five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Panthers. 12. Another issue for the Caps in this game, giveaways. The Caps had 16 giveaways, six of which were by defenseman Nick Jensen. More from Spencer Carberry during his postgame presser on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, we just made some really, really... Um mind-boggling plays with the POC decisions with the POC positional stuff in the second and third period. and we, and we had a few looks like we did a, did it a, but, but not near to our standard and, and what we're capable of.
1: Well, the Caps and the Panthers in this game combined for just three penalties. So the Caps went one of one on the penalty kill and 0 of two on the power play. Third line right wing Anthony Mantha scored two even strength goals. Good to see that. But he left the game in the third period due to taking a puck to the head. Uh, That was scary. We'll see what comes of that. A good game for third-line center Connor McMichael. He scored a shorthanded goal six thirteen into the second period, registered a primary assist, and had a game-high six shots on goal. And the Caps' top-line left wing, Alex Ovechkin, he on Wednesday night went pointless and had just two shots on goal, but he was tied for number one on the camps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 66.67. The camps with Ovi on the ice in the game in five-on-five situations had 16 shot attempts versus allowing just eight shot attempts. So good things were happening with Ovi on the ice, but he, 11 games into this camp's regular season, has just two goals to go with six assists. Uh, next up for the Caps, back-to-back games this weekend at the New Jersey Devils Friday night at 7 and at the New York Islanders Saturday night at 7.30. Hey, for just the second time in seven games for the Wizards this NBA regular season, they won. Uh, they improved to 2 and 5 with a 132-116 win at the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday night and this was a comfortable win. The Wizards led for the entire second half. They won the second quarter 41-17. Uh, The Wizards' offense was great. They scored 132 points. The Wizards went 18 of 43 on threes, 29 of 54 on twos, and 20 of 25 on free throws. Uh, The Wizards' defense, which had been horrendous this season, uh, was good enough. Uh, They held the Hornets to just 8 of 25 on threes. The Wizards totaled 10 steals as the Hornets committed 22 turnovers. Now, the Wizards did allow the Hornets to score 64 points in the paint and to generate 35 free throw attempts and the Wizards did have problems with LaMelo Ball who in 36 minutes 12 seconds as a starter had 34 points, seven assists and four rebounds including three offensive boards although he also committed six turnovers but the Wizards defense was better the communication on defense was better uh, Kyle Kuzma had a good game he in just 31 minutes 18 seconds as a starter scored 33 points he went four of 11 on threes nine of 13 on twos and three of three on free throws. Also had nine rebounds, including three offensive boards and four assists versus two turnovers. But the story of this game in a lot of ways was the Wizards' bench. Wizards' reserves Outscored Hornets reserves, 72-23. Uh, Wizards starters, not named Kyle Kuzma, totaled just 27 points. This was not a game in which Wizards starters, other than Kuzma, did much in the way of scoring, but the bench was great. Wizards reserves went a combined 13 of 24 on threes. Danilo Gallinari, DeLon Wright, Landry Shamet, and Corey Kispert combined for 63 points. Good stuff. Uh, two games for the Wizards this weekend, home to the Hornets Friday night at 7 and at the Brooklyn Nets Sunday afternoon at 3. If you would like tickets to a Wizards game or to a Capitals game or to a Commanders game or to whatever, download the GameTime app and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best-price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. You see, the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110%. Of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's games, a lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Also, Game Time is the app. For last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use this promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app and use that promo code ALGALDI. GameTime, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And before we call it a show, some college football, a Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia. Wahoo-wah in action on Thursday night. The Cavaliers are at number 11 Louisville Thursday night at 730. The Wahoos per Crab Sports plus 20 and a half. Who will be UVA starting quarterback for this game? Uh, That is the question. The Cavs' depth chart for this week lists the starting quarterback as Tony Musket or Anthony Calandria. Uh, Musket suffered an ankle injury this past Saturday afternoon when the Hoos fell to two and seven overall and one and four in the ACC with a 45-17 loss to Georgia Tech at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia. Very disappointing game for UVA. It for this game it was a one and a half point favorite for multiple shops and yet lost by 28 points. Uh, The Cavs starting quarterback, the Monmouth transfer, Tony Musket, uh, he threw an interception on the opening drive of the game. He on the drive suffered the ankle injury. Head coach Tony Elliott briefly had Grady Brosterhouse in the game with the idea that Musket might come back into the game, but Musket ended up not being able to come back into the game. And so Elliott then went with true freshman Anthony Calandria ending any redshirt possibility with him. The idea had been to preserve the redshirt status of Calandria, but uh, the The redshirt status now is gone. Uh, Elliot to me, now should start Calandria the rest of this season with that redshirt possibility now gone. Uh, There is upside with Anthony Calandria. Now, look, he is a high-variance quarterback, or at least he has been. You know, his good has been great. His bad has been uh, really bad. Uh, But Calandria could be a really good quarterback for Virginia, I think. But uh, the guy needs to grow. The guy needs to be developed. Uh, The Hoos' run defense against Georgia Tech was abysmal. When you take out UVA's one sack of Georgia Tech quarterback Haynes King, the Cavs allowed the Yellow Jackets to have 43 carries for 306 yards and five touchdowns. That works out to a yards per carry of 7.12. And the Hoos on Thursday night are playing at a really good team in Louisville. The Cardinals are the number 11 team in the FBS for the college football playoff rankings that came out on Tuesday evening. Louisville is eight and one overall and five and one in the ACC is coming off a 34-3 home route of Virginia Tech last Saturday, a game in which Louisville running backs Isaac Garendo and Jawar Jordan combined for 25 carries for 203 yards and four touchdowns. Garendo, who transferred to Louisville from Wisconsin, had 11 carries for 146 yards and three touchdowns. Louisville quarterback Jack Plummer in this win over the Hokies, just 12 pass attempts, but he went 11-12 for 141 yards, a touchdown, And no interceptions. Uh, You know, college football games are hard enough to handicap given that you're dealing with teenagers and guys in their 20s. Thursday night college football games for teams that just played the previous Saturday are especially hard to handicap because who the heck knows how each team will respond to the quick turnaround? And then you throw in the uncertainty for the who's at quarterback uh, while getting 20 and a half points. I mean, you throw your hands up (laughs) when it comes to something uh, like this game for Virginia at Louisville. But I don't know how you trust Virginia playing at what is one of the best teams in college football. And so give me Louisville minus 20. And a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop. And more from you on Friday's show. And that will do it for you and me for now. Get the feedback coming. You can hit me up on x at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show episode 697 will provide you with more on the commanders as we will get you ready for the commanders game at the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday afternoon at 425, including... Rhyming keys, my keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion and commentary on uh, what is said by assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Biennemi and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio in pre-practice press conferences on Thursday. Also, on Friday's show, we'll talk college football analysis of whatever happens for Virginia in its game at number 11 Louisville Thursday night at 730 and Goldilocks, my college football previews and picks against the spreads, the games that I'll be getting into on Friday show. Maryland at Nebraska, Saturday at noon. James Madison, home to UConn, Saturday afternoon at 2. Liberty, home to Old Dominion, Saturday afternoon at 1. Virginia Tech at Boston College, Saturday at noon. And Navy, home to UAB Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday.
3: When you say EB works really hard and he's calling good games, are there moments that stand out to you either where you see him putting the work in or plays where you get in the huddle
2: and you're like, oh, he's kind of in his bag? Did you say in his bag? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.